Pittsburgh Steeler fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Harbin, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with you for another episode of the Steelers Burning Question. That's right, it's my turn to take the bull by the horns and do this Steelers Burning Question. We rotate these during the regular season between myself, Lance Williams, Dave Schofield, and Brian Anthony Davis. So kudos and shout out to all those guys for contributing and doing their part when it comes to giving you the listener, the viewer, the very best Pittsburgh Steelers podcast channel, YouTube content that you can. You might be listening to this thinking, how can we help? Well, there's multiple ways you can help. First and foremost, there's some people that like to give us money, and we're not going to turn it away, but at the same time, you don't have to. But if you choose to, you can use a super chat feature, which is at the bottom right next to where you can post your comment. You'll see a little dollar sign. You can hit that dollar sign and give any amount of money to the program. We appreciate anything that you want to give. It also highlights your question to make sure that we are guaranteed to answer it. If you don't want to give your money, and I understand it, sometimes things are tough. Holidays are coming up. There's something you can do that is absolutely free. Just like the video. Subscribe to our channel. That's it. If you're listening to us in on like on Spotify or on iTunes or uh, Google Play, give us a good review. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Little things like that go a really long way to helping us get exposure. I had someone email me say, why do you always ask? Why? What are you doing that? Because the more likes that the video gets, YouTube's algorithm then pumps it up when people type in they, 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 Steelers podcast, Steelers show. That's what we want. We want to get more exposure, so that's how you do it. Hit the like button, subscribe to the channel. Let's get this thing started off right. The question of this week is simple, but not easy. Have we, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, seen the best of Mason Rudolph? Seems like a simple answer, right? We've probably seen one of the worst games. In week 11, he looked atrocious. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to say anything about it. He had four interceptions, and they were four horrible throws. I know, I know one was tipped, but at the same time, I am not about to say that because he was throwing, he wasn't throwing to Juju Smith-Schuster after the first quarter, Deontay Johnson after the second quarter. I might have gotten the quarters wrong, but so you understand what I'm saying. They both left the game. I'm not going to say because... He didn't have James Conner as his running back. As a quarterback, you were responsible for throwing the football and putting it in an area where only your guy can get it. And if you don't do that, that's on you. If he were throwing interceptions that were sailing through hands, like he's already had two, one to Dante Moncrief against Seattle, the other to Juju Smith-Schuster. If he were doing those type of things, then maybe it's a different story but he's not, he's not, not in week 11. He wasn't. And so this has caused a lot of people to be very, very critical of Mason Rudolph, even more critical than they were before week 11, because for some ungodly reason, fans of the Pittsburgh Steelers just don't seem to want to embrace Mason Rudolph. I view Mason Rudolph a lot like the political scene in our country. You either love him, or you hate him, and there's no in-between. It's just like the Republicans and Democrats. There's just no middle ground. And so for some reason, some Steeler fans always want to say that he's awful, 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 bring on Duck Dynasty, yada, yada, yada. And then there's other people that say 
He's good. He needs time. Yada, yada, yada. Yes, I yada, yada a lot of stuff on both sides of this of this coin. And so the question is, have we seen the best of him? I am going to answer this by saying I sure as heck hope not. Because if we've seen the best of Mason Rudolph, then we have seen nothing but in me a mediocre game manager. And I say that as someone that roots for Mason Rudolph. I've rooted for him since the day that he was drafted. Okay? You're not talking to a guy that is calling for uh, Devlin Hodges. You're not. This is a guy that likes Mason Rudolph. But I am going to say that for me, he would be, if this is the best that we've seen of Mason Rudolph, and it's, it, this is his pinnacle of his career, he is a mediocre game manager. which also equates to a quality backup quarterback in the National Football League. So I want everyone to understand that Mason Rudolph, although a lot of people have a disdain for him, can still be a very valuable piece of the Steelers puzzle in the future, but just as a backup. If Ben Roethlisberger comes in and if he, you know, is it comes back, I should say, from injury and he's able to play at a high level, and he's able to duplicate some of the success he had seen prior to his elbow injury, you have Mason Rudolph as a very good backup for at least the next two seasons, which just happens to be the duration of Ben Roethlisberger's career. We're learning a lot about Mason Rudolph, and the one thing that I can't get out of my head is that he still only has, I believe, seven starts under his belt. And so we've seen some lows. And week 11 was by far, in terms of the career span, which is not very long, of Mason Rudolph, that was the lowest of the low. He had some bad throws. Very bad throws. Very bad decisions. Is there stuff in his game that can be improved upon? Absolutely. But here's the question. Are the things that need improved upon, can they be fixed? Again, most people would say, well, yes, of course they can be fixed. Not necessarily. When you're talking about accuracy throwing the football, that's kind of like a pitcher with control issues. Sometimes they can fix it. Sometimes they can't. And if you can't fix control issues as a pitcher, you're either getting moved to the bullpen or you're going to be unemployed. And so Mason Rudolph, I think that when he starts to finally get it in terms of reading defenses, because I think that's one of the biggest issues that he is having right now is that he never trusts what he sees. This is what causes the pitter patter of the ball, the pumps, the, you know, he's getting back in the pocket. This is why he seems like a, he is stuck in the pocket. Troy Aikman, who I thought had some really good insight during the week 11 game about him and the way that he was playing stuff that you don't hear, you know, Something you don't hear all the time from even a guy like Dan Fouts, who does color commentary. Troy Aikman talked about how his pocket, his pocket presence needs work. He can't just stay in the same spot. And as Steeler fans, we, we get comfortable with guys like Ben Roethlisberger, who's able to escape the pocket and able to make plays on the run. And although that might not be Mason Rudolph's, you know, MO, at least early in his career, he's going to have to learn to manipulate the pocket a little bit better. So to answer the question, and I will get to the live chat here in a second. To answer the question, I don't think that we've seen the best of Mason Rudolph. I really don't. I don't think we have for a multitude of reasons. 
I I go back to if you haven't listened to to Lance's show from last night, the yeah I said it, I saw something criminal in week eleven. I highly recommend that when you're done watching this video, you go over to his video and at least listen to his specific part, even if it's before he gets to questions. So I'm talking about the first 20 to 25 minutes. Really insightful stuff, not necessarily about the fight that took place, but about the offensive line, about the offensive line and how the offensive line was almost built to block for a running back like naked and robbed, but naked and robbed. That's Le'Veon Bell. They're not the bulldozers, you know, they're built to protect, you know, to they're built to protect in, in the passing game because Ben Roethlisberger, that's obviously what he has built his game around. But necessarily, this is not an offense that's really built around a Mason Rudolph type quarterback because they're not the same type of quarterback. The funny thing is, is that with Mason Rudolph, I personally think that once the team and mainly the offensive coordinator, Randy Feetner, can kind of wrap their heads around here is what we can do with Mason Rudolph. And here is what we can't do with Mason Rudolph. They are going to start seeing a, an uptick in offensive production. I don't want to say the, yeah, I, I don't want to see the, I don't know, I'm sorry. I don't want to say that they're going to all of a sudden turn to a top 10 offense. That's not going to happen. This is the worst offense in third and fourth and short. I mean, think about that for a second. This is the absolute worst. Out of all 32 NFL teams, they are 32nd, or at least in the bottom eighth, whatever. There's the 28th or 37th. Lance talked about it. It's awful. Plain and simple, it's awful. When it's third and one, you should be able to get that, and they just don't. Third and one feels like third and 20 or third and 15. It's awful. Once they figure out what he can do well, and they lean on that, I think you might see a little bit more in terms of production. But at the same time, the scary thing is, is that the low that we saw in week 11, you have to be weary that that starts to trend to the norm. And what I mean by that is that I, you, he got a little careless with the football. If that becomes commonplace, he's done. He's done because he doesn't have the skill to get him through that. Like Ben Roethlisberger has known to be careless with the football, but he also has the skill to also make some really, really tremendous throws as well. We haven't seen that yet from Mason Rudolph. He's made some good throws. I'm not going to say he hasn't, but have they really been those dimes, as they call it? That's what kids say nowadays, dropping dimes and stuff like that. Have they really been doing that? And I don't really think so. So, um, <laughs> Getting bent with Bo in the live chat says, so what Jeff is saying, he won't be buying a Mason jersey. Hey, look, the, the thing is with the, the, the jersey talk is if you talk to Dave Schofield, especially Brian Anthony Davis, I am maybe a little too ridiculous with jersey purchases, period. Um, I'm, I am not going to buy a jersey that I feel has any stretch of possible bust ability. And even when I, I love Mason Rudolph, I was re I'm still rooting for Mason Rudolph because he is going to be the linchpin for the Steelers to actually make the playoffs. I'm not about to get his jersey just yet. Just it's just not. It's not going to do it. So we'll see. 
I, I got to give Dave Schofield props because I've been watching his interactions with you all in the live chat. I can't believe you're not getting his joke. And it kind of derailed me mentally for a little bit. As I was saying, my yada, 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 yada he referenced Seinfeld in the uh, I mentioned the bisque because they said, you yada, yada, the best part. And he said, no, I mentioned the bisque. I knew, he knew I would get that. I got it, Dave. It was a solid, a solid, solid, uh, you know, Seinfeld reference there. So very good. So, okay. I want to know what you all think now. If you're watching live and you're in the uh, the live chat, and by the way, if you're listening in audio platform and you didn't know we have a YouTube channel, because that happens, go to youtube.com backslash BTSC Steelers Radio or just search BTSC Steelers Radio and you will find all of our stuff there. So my question in the live chat, have we seen the best of Mason Rudolph? And let me, here's what I want to know. There's a lot of people already in the live chat that have been throwing out duck emojis because they want Devlin Hodges to play. I want to know a concrete reason why you think the product would be better with Devlin Hodges than what it is with Mason Rudolph now. Don't say he won against the Chargers. Go back and watch that game. James Conner won that game. Okay? Period. Let's call a spade a spade. I want to know concrete reasons. And yeah, if you get if you can convince me, kudos. But I don't want to just see in the live chat a bunch of stupid duck emojis. If you're gonna believe it, have the brains to back it up. Period. Let's see what you got. Because I'm I get I get tired of people always saying, let's bring in the next guy. Cause he can he the next guy is gonna be the best guy, or the next guy is gonna be the better guy. Tell me why. That's what I want. Any moron can go out and just say, well, this will be better. Well, why? I don't know. That's what everyone else is saying. Have some knowledge. Tell me why. I want to know. We'll have this discussion. That's fine. We'll have this discussion. But in the meantime, that's what I want to know. In the live chat, what do you think about the burning question? Have we seen the best of Mason Rudolph? Here's Steeler Tank. He says, it looks like it. But if the offensive coordinator can call better pass schemes that work for a quick, quick read, he might be better. He has zero time and even less wide receivers that can catch, throw it to the tight ends. The sad thing is here is that the tight ends have been having to use to uh, pass protect. So they haven't been able to run routes that often. They did a little bit more in week 11, but that was after the game was in hand, I basically think. So, okay, here we go. Um People are saying that, yes, Chuck says yes, with Feetner at offensive coordinator, we've seen the best that he could be. So you're suggesting that maybe if they got a new offensive coordinator, he could be better. So in which case, we haven't seen the best of Mason Rudolph. Um, Noah says, Mason has more, hasn't had a chance to show it. Duck is not the answer. Um, Faceless Man says, Mason against the Colts was just as good as Duck against LA. I'm not saying that Mason Rudolph has gone out there and put the team on his back and driven him down the field, but he's done more of that than Devlin Hodges did in his one start. Now, I'm not going to say that Devlin Hodges couldn't duplicate some of the success. I just don't think that he's the answer either. And so that's why people keep saying, oh, bring in Doug. Look, it's it's six one way and half dozen the other, in my opinion. Here's uh, Real Tree. He says, just a thought. Maybe part of Mason's problem is that when he was at Oklahoma State, he was essentially playing against near non-existent defenses of the Big 12, except maybe Texas and Oklahoma. That's a great point, and that's something I brought up 
when somebody said the other day, it was probably last week, hasn't he ever played, hasn't he ever faced a defense before? You got to remember, the Big 12 is not known for defense, period. I want to say that there was a draft class a couple years ago where zero defenders from the Big 12 were drafted in the first two days, I think. Think about that. That's a power conference not having any defenders drafted like the first two days. That's absurd. These are the defenses that he was going up against, though. He was never under center, always in the shotgun, highest score one, and it was like pinball. That's exactly what the Big 12 is like. It's like pinball. And so he got used to that. So there you go. Darren brings up a good point. He says when he took over in the Seahawks game, that was the best Mason Rudolph. That's a really good point. And I agree. Because when he came in, people were kind of like, whoa, who's this guy? Because we knew Mason Rudolph. We never saw that Mason Rudolph. So maybe at this little extended break, it would be uh, it would behoove of Randy Feetner to maybe go back and see, well, what did we draw up? What, what did we call on those plays that worked so well, that seemed to work so well? And you got to forget, that's the game that the interception went through Moncrief's hands and, uh, you know, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's here. Vernon says, Jeff, Ben had a quarterback coach. Where's one for Mason? Well, technically, technically, Randy Feetner also wears that hat. It's just like Keith Butler is the defensive coordinator and also the outside linebackers coach. Randy Feetner is the offensive coordinator and the quarterbacks coach, which is so asinine that your coordinators who are supposed to be head coach, if there's a head assistant coach, you know, um, like that's John Mitchell for the, uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and after that is your coordinators. That's pretty high up in the hierarchy, and you're having these guys doing multiple jobs? I don't like that. I don't like it at all. But that's what they're doing. That's what they've been doing. Um, here we go. Uh, here we go. Snowman says, if Mason had receivers that can catch a cold, he might have a better chance of completing a pass. They certainly haven't been helping him out at all. Period. Haven't helping him out at all. So keep that in mind either. Uh, see if we kind of get through a couple. The funny thing is, is I've only seen a couple people bring up anything about Devlin Hodges. I was really expecting the Duck Dynasty crowd. I'm even scrolling back through to see. Okay, here we go. Bill says Devlin won on the West Coast and really beat the Ravens. We know that was not roughing the passer. Let's not pretend that Mason Rudolph wasn't doing a decent job before he got concussed. Okay. But to your same point, Devlin Hodges in the Ravens game was a lot like the Mason Rudolph in the Seahawks game. It's almost like when you're thrust into the game, you don't have time to think about it. You just go out and play. You just go out and react. I always say that this is similar to, for me at least, the first time I go golfing of a new year, a new season. Sometimes I play great. Why? I have no expectations. I am going out there thinking, man, if I shoot, 79, I'm happy. And sometimes I go out and shoot a 74, and I'm like, man, where did that come from? Next time I go out, I shoot an 82. But still, what I'm saying is that maybe that's what these guys, when they got thrust into the position, Devlin Hodges against Baltimore, 
Mason Rudolph against Seattle. They have no time to think. You're just reacting. Period. So there you go. Um, let's see if we have any. I'm I'm really looking for these duck people. Really thinking these duck people because it's every day. It's every it's every show. I watch other guys' shows. I watch like uh, the Steelers Hangover. I'm looking at the live chat. I have all these stupid duck emojis everywhere. So let's go. Where are you? Come out of the woodwork. That's what I want to see. You know, I want to see what the what you're doing. Um, yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Not a lot, exactly. It's a it's let's call a spade a spade, spade a spade. Willie said, "Would it hurt to give Duck a chance?" Here's what it would hurt. It would hurt the fact that if you turn to Devlin Hodges now, you have broken any potential with Mason Rudolph. He's done. 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 And so they can't do that. Not yet. Not yet. If they're not going to turn to Duck after a four-interception performance, done. They're not going to, I don't think. But... The only way that Devlin Hodge is going to prove himself is if Mason hurt Ray Rudolph were to get hurt and miss multiple weeks. Hodges comes in and plays really, really well. And now all of a sudden they're looking at, well, wait a second, we have a decision to make. That's the only chance I think he has. All right. So Snowman puts $2 in the tip jar. We appreciate that. Longtime listener and viewer of the show. He says, how's Deontay Johnson doing? This is something that totally slipped my mind during the game. Now we all saw Deontay Johnson leave with the helmet to helmet hit. We all heard about the, bleeding ear after the hit but i didn't realize is that it wasn't until today or friday at least that he was actually diagnosed with a concussion i thought he was diagnosed then because so many players left with concussions uh ola Adenye, juju smith schuster those were diagnosed during the game and that's when they were ruled out because they had a concussion deontay johnson is in the concussion protocol now though we don't know anything else we don't know anything else at this time so here we go. Let's see here. <laughs> Dave. I knew Dave would talk about these duck supporters. These duck supporters are afraid of their lack of knowledge showing. Ooh, Dave. Dave and I are going to be on the show tomorrow night. We're going to do a Steelers Q and a, we'll talk about like what the Ravens did and, and things of that nature. And, and the NFL in general, will probably break down some playoff picture stuff. I like that stuff. And, um, Dave, Dave's is not, if you have a bone with, to pick with Dave about this, Duck Dynasty stuff. There you go. Ali says, a uh, longtime listener as well. Appreciate that. All those supporting. Jeff, most people calling for Duck after seeing a player just providing comic relief. I like to think that as well. But at the same, look, the Steelers quarterback situation is not good. It's just not good. Like Mason Rudolph, is, like I said, if, if this is the best that we've seen of him, he's, he's nothing but a backup quarterback. I don't think this is the best that we've seen of him. But at the same time, I don't know. All right, here we go. Let's see what we got. And any other questions that we have? <laughs> All right, here we go. This is like the typical stuff. I'll put it on the screen so everyone sees it. Justin Roth puts like eight duck emojis. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You guys are too much. Too much tonight on this Saturday night. It's kind of a bummer the Steelers aren't playing tomorrow. I hate those Thursday night games. They are the absolute worst. I'll tell you something I'm not going to talk about. Um, I don't want to talk about Colin Kaepernick. I just don't want to talk about it. So if you're in the live chat and you put in you know, all this stuff, I'm sorry. Bo says it was nine duck emojis. Uh, my sincerest apologies. I did not correctly count 
the duck emojis. I apologize. But in, in other words, I'm not talking about Mason to Colin Kaepernick. I'm just not. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about it. So if you're someone in the live chat and you're asking a question, should they sign? No, not talking about it. Not saying yes, not saying no, not talking about it. Let's move on. Let's talk about the Steelers that are on the team. For instance, the Steelers actually signed two players today. Did you know that? Maybe not. It's on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Dave Schofield caught it. They signed a running back and a wide receiver. The wide receiver was from the Indianapolis Colts practice squad. They poached him off the practice squad. And the running back was off of the Chicago Bears practice squad. So what does that say? It tells me that they're not so sure that a guy like Deontay Johnson or Juju Smith-Schuster will be ready in Week 12. It tells me that James Conner's shoulder is probably not going to be ready by Week 12. And that's not good. That's not good at all. So I don't know much about these guys. I want to take a look at some of their, you know, I don't even know when they were drafted. I didn't write the article. Dave might be able to provide that. Um let me bring it up for you guys. I'll bring it up here. Give me a second and I'll tell you their names. And hopefully David did his job in regards to things like where they played their football in college and when they were drafted and all that stuff. Um, in the meantime, I'll answer Darren's question. When did you decide to grow out your beard along with Ben Roethlisberger? Ben Roethlisberger has something that I can't stand and that's a killer neck beard. I hate a neck beard. Ugh, it drives me nuts. I started this with the Steelers winning streak for now five weeks ago, and I just kind of like it. So I'm going to keep it going a little bit. I'm going to hope that a little good juju comes back from it. All right, here we go with the players. The players that were signed were Dion Kane, the wide receiver who was signed off the Indianapolis Colts practice squad, and Kareth White Jr., running back, picked up off of the um, – Chicago Bears practice squad to make room for this on the 53-man roster. J. Ron Elliott, linebacker, and running back Tony Brooks-James were both released. So here's what Dave writes in the article. Wide receiver Deion Kane comes to the Steelers via the Indianapolis Colts. Kane had been on the active roster for the Colts through week nine before being released and signed to their practice squad. On the season, Kane has four receptions for 52 yards, drafted by the Colts out of Clemson. In the sixth round of the 2018 draft, Kane was placed on IR in August of his rookie year with an ACL injury. Running back Kareth White was a seventh-round selection by the Chicago Bears in 2019. White has spent all of this season on the Bears practice squad after rushing for 55 yards on 18 carries and a touchdown during the preseason. Out of Florida Atlantic University, White rushed for over 1,300 yards and added another 2,000 yards as a kick returner. Uh-oh. With Ryan Switzer placed on IR this past week, White might get a chance to return kicks in the National Football League. Good job, David. Appreciate that. So there you have it. Those are the new additions to the Pittsburgh Steelers 53-man roster. I hope I wasn't reading too fast for everybody. And uh, so there's some shake up there. There's some shake up there. J. Ron Elliott's gone, which tells me that uh, there's a good chance that Anthony Ciccolo will be back coming in week 12. And uh, they obviously replaced um, this new running back with the running back they released. So there you have it. So, okay, uh, let's go. Question time. Question time. If you have a question, fire away in the live chat. I'll answer any and all questions pertaining to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, it could be as simple as, you know, hey, who was your favorite Pittsburgh Steeler growing up? Or it could be as complex as, um, I'm sorry, J-Ron. Noah corrected me. J-Ron Elliott. I didn't. Sorry. My fault. So sorry. 
Okay. Uh, <laughs> Snowman says, great. We have another wide receiver who can't catch. Yeah. Yeesh. Not a pleasant crowd to be around. Um, Ariel says, two's our skippers available. I didn't think that he was. I thought that he got signed back to the practice squad of the New York Giants. But let's be honest. I don't, I don't think they need an outside linebacker right now. I mean, they, they need offensive players, and that's what they did. All right, North Top. Do you think Connor's career will end early with these injuries? The numbers, and Lance looked up the numbers, and I think Dave did too in a pre previous show about how his longevity and his durability compares to other players. And believe it or not, he is about... Basically, he's about average in terms of games missed. Running back is a position where guys get banged up. They miss time. You think about some of the higher-profile running backs in the league this year, and a lot of them have missed some time. You know, whether it's um, – I know that LaShawn McCoy, he's not really a big name anymore, but in the Kansas City, he's missed some time. Alvin Kamara's missed some time. Um, most running backs do miss a couple games. I don't think it's going to end his career early. I do think it's a sign to the Steelers that you can't rely on him to be your, your number one. You're going to have to have someone else have to have someone else available so that by all means you can get by in case he does get hurt. And I don't think Jalen Samuels is the best backup they can have. I like Jalen Samuels. He reminds me of a Mwildy Moore. He's a guy that's a good third down back. He's a good receiver. He can run the ball if you need him, but he's not going to be that guy that's going to come in and get you. People were kind of blindfolded by, or I guess they should have blinders on when he rushed for 142 yards against New England in week 15 last year. That's not his everyday output. Okay, that's just not. So we'll see. Ryan Kellerman says, so only three outside linebackers next week. Possibly it depends on Ola Adinye's concussion. Depends on his concussion. If he's healthy, then they'll have they'll have their their definite allotment. Um, I did not see this, Jeff. What about Terrell Pryor calling out to be a Steeler? We've talked about him before the season started, and I always said that if it's cheap, give give him a workout, bring him in. You have the time now. I mean, that's that's the thing. They had this little mini buy after the Thursday night game. Bring him in if he's in shape and he can help the team. Is it is it gonna hurt him? No. No, it's not going to hurt him at all, at all. It's not like Terrell Pryor has some awful background or history that is damning to the point where you wouldn't want to bring him in for fear of public relations. You know, I'm going to say, yeah, whatever. There you go. PJ says, if Rudolph is not the guy, what do we do next? If Rudolph isn't the guy, you better pray to your lucky stars that Ben Roethlisberger comes back healthy in 2020. That's your answer. Plain and simple. Because the Pittsburgh Steelers are not going to be in the running for a top-tier quarterback anytime soon. Even this season at 5-5, five and five, they're not going to be in the running for that. So I don't think that's you know one of those situations. Snowman says, my favorite all-time Steeler was Jack Lambert. And I was not alive to see Jack Lambert play, but trust me, I've seen my share of highlights. And when you watch his Hall of Fame acceptance speech, where at the very end he says, if I could do it all over again, you better believe I'd be a football player and you damn better believe I'd be a Pittsburgh Steeler. If that doesn't make you want to run through a wall, I don't know what does. He's a heck of a guy, kind of a 
from what I read about him, he's kind of a hermit now. Like he doesn't do much of anything. He'll do a couple signings every year. He just wants to be left alone. <laughs> just left alone. Um, this is a really good point here. Trey brings it up. I'll put that on the screen there for you. Man, Le'Veon Bell being the juice man was taken for granted. Dude stay on the field a lot. Connor always got some neck injury now. I don't want a I do think that Le'Veon Bell's skill set was taken for granted in Pittsburgh. I do believe that 100%. He was phenomenal. But let's also not pretend that he didn't have injuries. His injuries weren't the nagging kinds. His knee injuries were the I'm done kind. If you think about the knee injury that he had when uh, Vontez Perfect tackled and the other knee injury that he had when it was... Um, I want to say Kirkpatrick, but I don't think that's right. It was a safety from the Bengals in week 17 where he hit him. Um, I'm sure in the live chat, you all will help me out with that name. It's definitely just escaping me right now. So we'll see. We'll see. But I, it, absolutely, though, absolutely, Le'Veon Bell was taken for granted when he was in Pittsburgh. I absolutely agree with that, 100%. Um, Brad asked about uh, Marquise Pouncey's uh, appeal. Shoot, that video is, I don't think, for me, I don't see how his appeal could ever be, or his suspension could ever be taken down. It's It looks it looks as bad as it is. Now, it looks stupid because he's hitting a guy with a helmet on with his fist, but he kicks the man in the head when he's down. I don't think, if he appeals it, which he said originally he's not going to, if he appeals, I don't think there's any chance that he's getting that taken down for three games. So then you have BJ Finney as your guy. He's more of a road grader, I think, than than uh, Pouncey is. But that's hurt. That hurts. That hurts an offensive line. That if they're get at least up until week eleven, we're still tremendous in pass pro. And so we'll see. We'll see. All right, here we go. North Top says, what got him suspended was the kicking. He'll never get it appealed because of that. I agree. But, you know, here's the thing I heard the other day when I was listening to Sports Talk Radio, which I love when they talk about the Steelers. I didn't like how everything was about the conflict between Miles Garrett and Mason Rudolph. But the thing is, is that he, Mason Rudolph could have, I'm sorry, Marquise Pouncey could have intervened and helped Mason Rudolph without getting suspended. Look at what David DeCastro did. He got in the way, he took Garrett to the ground, and then that was it. And it wasn't until Pouncey came over and decided to throw fists on his way to the ground and then kick him in the head when he was on the ground. I don't like that, but at the same time, you know. Okay, here we go. Jeff, can you name, this is from 13 Aaron T. Can you name one thing that Rudolph actually does pretty well? At least Duck has above average pocket presence. Well, if you're comparing the two, that... You know, if you're comparing the two quarterbacks, Rudolph has a better arm. Um, he is bigger in stature, so he won't have, you know, obviously we know about the six-foot quarterbacks, et cetera. Um, although I think the Duck has better pocket presence, I think Mason Rudolph has played in more big-time games, so he has that experience. Again, I don't think there's a huge gap between the two guys. I just don't. I'm just saying that right now, I think that Rudolph's the guy they've gone with. You're going to stick with him. Period. I mean, it's, it's I, I'm not saying I hate it. I hate Duck Dynasty, Devlin Hodges, whatever you want to call him. Not saying that at all. What I'm saying is that for me, 
right now they have Mason Rudolph as the guy. So he's the guy until he plays poor enough or gets hurt, and then Devlin Hodges will get his shot. In the meantime, get comfortable. He's not going anywhere. All right, here we go. Faceless Man says, DeCastro is a vet, though. He showed excellent de-escalation skills. Marquis Pouncey is a, more of a veteran than that. Man. Uh, Mr. T, Steelers fan, 12 23 says, Did you hear about the horrible comments from ESPN's Max Kellerman? On Friday, he basically sided with Garrett and said all of this was Mason's fault. Look, I have heard so much narrative twisting from this story in this really bad event that took place. It's been a black eye. If I'm a Browns fan, and trust me, I am not. I, I'm pissed off because this is sucking the life out of this win. I mean, sucking the life out. Horrible. They had a huge win on primetime at home against their arch rivals. And no one is saying a thing. I guarantee you, if you ask Max Kellerman or any number of talking heads, blowhards on national television, what was the actual the final score of the game? A lot of them, unless they have it in their show notes, wouldn't be able to tell you. Because all they know was it was an awful game, which it was, and it ended in fireworks. So a couple people have asked what my thoughts were on the suspensions and stuff, and I know that Dave wrote an article for the website today giving his opinion on how he thought the NFL got it right. I definitely agree with the indefinite tag on Miles Garrett. He's definitely done for this year, and he might be done longer. It all depends. I love that they put that in there. Don't give a timestamp and make sure that you're confident that he is over that hurdle before you allow him back on the playing field. Also, I thought that because of the egregious nature of Marquise Pouncey's actions, that he too, the three games was suitable. Now, the third player, number 65 for the Browns, his name escapes me, I apologize. That was the most cowardly move of them all. Comes in late, shoves a, a helmetless quarterback to the ground from behind, and then stands over him. Then, has the guts to go in front of the media after the game and say, I was just trying to stick up for a teammate. Stick up for a teammate? Your teammate's getting mugged on the ground, and you're too busy shoving a quarterback who's not even in the melee at that time. Give me a break. I know that he only he got one game. I thought two might have been more appropriate. They're, the NFL is really big now on extracurricular stuff. For instance, you can be flagged if you're pulling someone off of a pile. That stuff should equal like an ejection. And he was ejected. I It was just a bad look. It was a bad look. And... A, you know, you have Max Kellerman who's saying that it's Mason Rudolph's fault. You have Josina Anderson that's tweeting out that there's a there's a chance that Mason Rudolph said something racist or inappropriate under the pile. What? How do you say that? How do you say that when you all you're basing this on is that you know Miles Garrett, you've met him, and you don't think he could do something like that? Think about what you're saying. Now she since deleted that tweet, shocker, but still. I think that this all could have been avoided. And, and here's another one. Aditi, uh, Kinkwabala, I think is how you say your last name. I might be wrong. The NFL Network. She said, why are they running a screen pass with eight seconds left? My answer is, why does it matter? 
tell Miles Garrett, since there's only eight seconds left, when you go in and hit the quarterback, why do you have to take him to the ground and then lay on him? And that's what gets Mason Rudolph so ticked off is the fact that he's trying to push him off. He's trying to take his helmet off. Mason Rudolph's not innocent here, people. If you're a Steeler fan and you're thinking that Mason Rudolph did nothing wrong, oh, trust me, he's not innocent. He did his fair share in this whole spiel, and then what basically transpired from that. And then again, I'll even go a step further. So Mason Rudolph tries to get up. Even if Miles Garrett rips his helmet off, if he just drops it, we're not having this discussion, not at this length anyways. If he just takes his helmet off and drops it, throws it to the bench, I don't care what he does with it, then there's just some shoving, they break it up, they learn one more play, and it's over. But instead, he takes it, swings it like a weapon, and hits him square in the head. Mason Rudolph better thank his lucky stars that the helmet turned and he got hit with the back padding on the top of his head. If it was any pulse, other part of that helmet, he's probably got some serious head injuries. I don't know if it's another concussion. I don't know if it would have actually like lacerated the skin. But still, in my opinion, Max Kellerman points to Mason Rudolph as the main problem. I view Miles Garrett taking him to the ground when he didn't have to. If he comes in, hits him, wraps him up, all right, let him go. We've seen it done a million times. End of the game, 21-7, games in hand. I don't care if they ran the ball or not. That was the move, in my opinion. That was the move, in my opinion. And so I missed a lot of, a lot of questions with that little rant. I apologize. Try to get back to him. Trying to get back to him. Well, here's a, you know, ex Eddie B. He said, don't let this distract you from the fact that he played terrible. Oh, you must have missed the beginning of the show. I know he played terrible. I said he played terrible. He did play terrible. I, yeah, he played terrible. It was bad. Worst game by far. Worst game. Okay. And Ali said he thought the hit was late. I think so too. I think so too. Absolutely. Here's a, here's the thing. There is, Pro Football Focus has said that the Pittsburgh Steelers have the easiest remaining schedule of every NFL team. Easiest remaining schedule. Something I'm going to bring up tomorrow when Dave and I talk. I want to get his take on it. So here's my question. How did the Steelers finish? They're 5-5. Five and five. Okay, 5-5. Five and five. Not out of it. Not by any stretch of the imagination. 5-5. Five and five. Here's their slate of games coming up. At the Bengals, home against the Browns, at the Cardinals, home for the Buffalo Bills, at the Jets, at the Ravens. How do they finish? Let me know in the live chat. What do you think? What's their final record? We did this a little bit earlier before they had three straight home games, but I'm curious what y'all think now. After we see, after we've seen what we've seen so far from 10 games, especially those three games at home. How do they finish? I want to know. In the live chat, fire away. If you're watching this in replay, leave a comment below. If you're watching it on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, leave a comment in the comment section. I'm curious to think what you all see this basically, how does it pan out? In the meantime, I'll get to some of those predictions here in a second. Northtop asked a good question. I'll ask a bold question. Do you think the Browns were headhunting? The amount of helmet-to-helmet penalties and injuries and the Browns' safety celebrating hurting Juju on Twitter is suspicious. I think that they wanted to send a message. And I don't think that's necessarily always turns into like a bounty gate type situation. I think they wanted to send the message. 
And that is that, look, you're coming into our house. It's prime time. And we're coming to let you know that we are going to, that you're going to pay for it. We're going to hit you. We're going to be physical. I didn't think there was anything dirty until they hit on Deontay Johnson. I thought that was a little cheap. That was a little cheap. A little bit of targeting there. Thought the ejection was very warranted. I don't think, I didn't think the Juju stuff was, I didn't think Juju's hit was, was malicious. We'll put it that way. Wasn't good, but I don't think it was malicious. All right. Here we got some predictions rolling in. I love this. Ali's is eight and eight. Yikes. Christopher Lawrence below 500. Not good. A lot of 10 and six. Um, Fernando, my buddy, uh, eight wins and nine losses is uh, 17. We only play 16 games. Think about that. Um, Patty says 11 and five puts an LOL there. Why you don't have faith in that prediction? Faceless man says 10 and six. Thomas White, 10 and six. Some of these people that are putting 10 and six. I'm curious. Do you think they run the table except for the Ravens? Or do they beat the Ravens and lose to someone else? Let me know. Fire away in the live chat. Cecil Clark, eight and eight. Uh, someone said seven and nine with Mason, 10 and six with Cap. Oh, gosh. Sean, 10 and six. Mark Davidson, Davidson, 11 and five. Valley Ford, 10 and six. Let's see here. Who else do we have? A couple other not Dilt. That's here. Dill Wit Wit it. <laughs> Dill Wit. <laughs> Nine and seven. Ten and six of the last game is just a fluke. Oh my gosh. That's great. I love that name. Deal with it. Deal with it, everybody. Ten and six. Someone else is in stagnant offense will get us only to seven and nine. That's from Darren. Oh boy. Here's what's interesting. And Jay Gore Goods the Barber says, so when they meaning the Browns come into our house, meaning Heinz Field. Then I want to see TJ, meaning TJ Watt and Dupree, meaning Bud Dupree, go off on Baker Mayfield and hit them like they hit us. Trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me that once this team gets past the Cincinnati Bengals in week 12, and I'm not saying they're going to overlook them and they're going to take them serious, blah, blah, all that stuff. When they get past that game, it's on. It is on. I mean, on like when they used to play the Cincinnati Bengals on. It's on. I know that Miles Garrett is not going to be on the field. I know that Morgan Burnett's not going to be on the field. He tore his Achilles in that game. It is going to be on. They're going to be fired up. Heinz Field is going to be rocking. Do you know why? Because the Steelers could roughly basically end their season. A loss to Pittsburgh at home would essentially make it a near impossibility for them to come up. And, you know, that would be their seventh loss. It would be very difficult for them to continue on and make the postseason. And so that, and for so many reasons, that game is going to be exciting. Looking forward to that one. Looking forward to that one. Here we go. Um, X Eddie B puts $2 in the tip jar. Thank you very much. Mobile quarterbacks are a problem. The cards may win. I'm not overlooking the Cardinals. Not when they have to travel to the West Coast. I know that they won their last one, and I know that it's technically not the West Coast. I know Dave will scold me for saying it's the West Coast. It's not. Not the West Coast, but it's a long enough trip. All right. Eight and eights. A lot of eight and eights flying in. Uh, Chuck says, I'm worried about them getting smoked by the Browns again. I don't think they're getting smoked by the Browns again. I don't think they're getting smoked by the Browns again. Period. Period. 
Okay, so PJ says it's on. Really, I haven't seen a physical Steeler defense or offense for at least five, not ten seasons. How's that going to change? Where is this hatred for the defense coming from, PJ? This is a good defense. A good defense, man. Come on. Come on. I know you're upset with the offense, and you have every right to be upset with the offense. But the defense? They gave up 21. I get that. But at the same time, they stopped Nick Chubb. Kareem Hunt got his yards. But I'll tell you what, they didn't lose this game because of the defense. Their quarterback threw four interceptions, PJ. Come on now. His defense is good. It's a good defense. Come on. All right, Darren, you're bringing up a question. Last one I'm going to answer. What are your top three offseason moves that you feel the Steelers need to make? I'm going to just say positions. They need to look in the offensive line. They need to look at outside linebacker in case Bud Dupree doesn't get re-signed. And they need to go running back. Running back. PJ got me depressed. How are you upset with the defense? The defense. Second in the league in takeaways. Third in the league with sacks. TJ Watt has double-digit sacks already. And he's calling them soft. Soft. Come on, PJ. All right, everybody. We appreciate you listening to the show. Thank you for listening to all my rants. I still love this show. I still love this show. I absolutely do. I'm the one that started this show. You should do it every week. And I will in the offseason. This will be my show again. But here's the deal. Tomorrow. The day off for the Steelers, not a day off for Behind the Steel Curtain and BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Check out myself and Dave Schofield around 8.30, 9 o'clock probably for a uh, Steelers Q&A where you can ask all the questions you want and we'll answer them. In the meantime, hit the like button on this video, folks. Hit the like button and by all means, subscribe to our channel. We're shooting for 6,000 subscribers by the end of the regular season. We are closer... <laughs> closer to 5,000. I think we're at 4,560. Not there yet. Not there yet. Gotta get there. Hit that subscribe button. We appreciate you guys. I appreciate everyone that's been a part of this little community. You guys are great. We'll see you tomorrow night for a Steelers Q&A, and we'll see someone. We'll see probably, I think, Brian Anthony Davis next week for the Steelers burning question. In the meantime, as Lance Williams always says, tune in, tell a friend. And subscribe. We'll see you all later. Have a good one. Be blessed.